0: Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually-minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. It was a great conversation, and I had to download it. The quality was awful, so... At any rate, recording started. I'm going to push this through onto Facebook. So give me just a couple seconds. Uh, they'll, there's a little bit of lag time. So I'll come back on with an introduction. Be like, hey, this is okay. Leo WT. What's up? You know, I'll introduce myself and conversations because I do every time. And then I'll introduce you. Feel free to... Um, just kind of say whatever you want about yourself and uh i I don't even care if it's fake just make it up no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um but then we'll kind of dive in um we're both pretty conversational we've got enough of a history that i don't don't see it being an issue so all right so i'm gonna get this pushed out onto facebook give me just a couple seconds here i can finally go live again which is very exciting (laughs) you're my first you're my first interview and after my 30-day freaking block from facebook (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was such bullshit too like it was a repost and I quoted a post and the original poster didn't get in trouble for it like it it was just a factual issue uh article that someone didn't like I think so all right we're pushing out to Facebook here uh it should take just a couple seconds for me to get a caption up and then I'll be back with you I can't I don't think I can type and talk right now so i'm not i'm not gonna try just for the sake of all of us (laughs) all right Um, i came up with a clever name so i'm gonna put that on there all right now's a great time to like pick your nose in silence if you want because it'll be just you on screen picking your nose
1: No, I did the whole, go to the bathroom, blow your nose, refill your water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's almost like you've lived through 2020. Uh-huh.
2: Sure, sure.
0: I feel like this is, I didn't really, I was like a late adapter to, um, to online conversation. And then I, once I, once I did it, I just kind of dove in with, with both feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Pre-COVID I was like. Just don't call me or video chat me. Text me so we can make in-person plans
2: plans exactly. and I'm like
1: uh, video chat over phone calls, actually. I would rather see your face if we're gonna, you know, bother doing
0: that. Exactly. Yeah, now I'm like, let's let's just video call, like before even calling, which is mm-hmm. funny because I really I really just skipped uh, first base and went right for home, you know.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. All right.
0: all right we're almost good here once I can get the correct form of there we're good to go (laughs) all right so once I get on here I will let you know too that I am going to um share this to a couple other pages and I also monitor comments via my phone so if it appears that I'm not Mm -hmm. looking I promise you that I am just checking to see if there are any comments uh that that people want uh, to have responded to so
1: yeah all right yeah for sure yeah definitely feel
0: free to bring this up all right
1: i'm not gonna try to multitask like that.
0: perfect it's rough but I, I have i have got a little bit of a hold on it so <laughs> i've been practicing yeah. so yeah all right we are live on facebook hey friends how are you what is going on this is a very interesting time for me to be online because uh conversations typically happens on a sunday for those of you who follow us you know that but it is in fact not a Sunday. While I might have forgotten at least two or three times what day it was today, I know it's not Sunday, <laughs> um, but I have been actually on a kind of mental health reprieve with my lovely wife in Puerto Rico and I'm just getting back just touching down here on the ground in the States and getting my life uh, back together and kind of back rolling so what we are going to chat about today is um, something that's been, you know, there's been a lot of posts on the Conversations Group page about this. There has been a lot of uh, conversation. It's so many uses of the word conversation. (laughs) But (laughs) but there has been a lot of um, just group discussion nationally, locally, politically around this topic. And so I wanted to get a friend of mine on here, who I know, love, and trust uh, as someone that has a, a real voice in the issue. And so uh, my friend Owen is going to join me today. We are going to chat about transgender people in sports, uh, the current intersections of transgender folks uh, and politics. And also we are going to chat a little bit just briefly about the kind of, uh, let's say, spiritual context or argument for or against trans folks. So we're not going to dwell too much on religion because those of you who have been here before uh, know that we don't really try to stick to any one religious background or anything, but, but the whole goal of conversations is to have spiritually minded conversations about life. And so what that means is we're just going to peel back some layers. We're going to talk a little deeper. We're going to talk about things that really matter. And we're going to give some like real dialogue around issues that people usually end up screaming, um, you know, at each other over. So I am real quick going to let Owen introduce themselves and
1: then, uh, and then we'll get chatting. Hey y'all. My name is Owen. Um, I am a queer non-binary person, I you say them pronoun. Um, I've been living in uh, Brooklyn. Well, I've been living in New York City generally for a little over eight years now. I'm currently living in Brooklyn. Um, I consider myself super lucky to be surrounded by an incredibly diverse community in every, every single sense of the word. Um, you know, New York is a place that absolutely has its Trump supporters and also has, um, you know, everyone else you can think of, um, which just creates an incredible place to learn and and dialogue with each other. Um, Specifically, um, as far as my own engagement with that community, I've done some uh, organizing work with uh, queer and trans youth of color um, predominantly, sorry, (laughs) queer uh, queer and trans youth mostly of color,
2: um,
1: as well as uh, doing some education work um, in corporate and other settings, specifically around the uh, topic of gender, um, its history, where did trans and non-binary identities come from, how do you navigate these situations?
0: Awesome. I have a, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much you'd like to talk about kind of your origin story here, but, but funny story uh, that I can say without really revealing too much of anybody's background is that uh, both Owen and I met while we were, happened to be geographically located at a conservative Christian college. Uh, mm-hmm. so that was a really dope time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we were both super happy. Best best mental health times of our lives. You know? Absolutely. Just Living our best lives well. in that environment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's ironic for me, and I've noticed that um I'm just just I'm just moderating conversation here, folks. So if mm-hmm. you guys want to join in, you can, but so don't take my looking away as the act of indifference. But um I I have frequently said that I don't think. Well, I can't say I don't think because, you know, uh, your gender identity is something that has a way of bubbling to the surface, even when you don't have words for it, you know, but I don't know if I how easy I would have been able to have, you know, just achieved coming out had I not been to Nyack. For me, that Mm. was a really, that was a big moment because for as as conservative as uh, the school was, the area was less so, and then I was right by the yeah. city. And the irony yeah. is, you know, in moving to the city uh, or in moving near the city and, and being in this kind of conservative Christian environment, I actually found some of the best community that I've ever been involved with. And a and a lot of that community was um, Afro Hispanic and mm-hmm. evangelical. So just really interesting <laughs> context for me to be like coming out yeah. of. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, Nyack was a huge game changer for me as well. Um, it was the first time I ever went to public school. Okay. Um, so K through seventh grade, I was in private evangelical schools. My family didn't have a TV. We went to church every Sunday. I went to youth group on Friday nights. Um, I joined the youth group worship team as soon as I was old enough. So then it was just right after school on Friday. So, you know, when you have Bible class five days a week, it's a lot a lot of that and all of these were very conservative christian communities so you know for me nyack was kind of a similar thing in the in a way um it was my first time in public school i finally started to see um another way of viewing the world Uh um besides this kind of fundamentalist evangelical situation yeah proximity to the city was also huge yeah um but you know i think and you know you know my parents i think did try to um Back, you know, you can speak to this yourself. I I feel like my parents did try to back queer students on campus uh, more than most, shall we say. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. Which was
1: another thing that really helped open the world of possibilities to me. Um, You know, when considering religion, it was no longer I'm either queer or I'm Christian. It kind of opened up that potential for me.
0: Right. Yeah, Um, there was an option to walk through both doors simultaneously if you wanted. mm -hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. your, It's yeah.
0: funny that yeah. you say that because your parents were actually, they're probably perhaps one of the biggest parts of my coming out story. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but I was actually, um, so, well, let me, let me back up for our people who are um, watching and don't know about Nyack. Uh, Nyack was a conservative Christian college in Nyack, New York, um, a branch, or it's, it's associated with a conservative evangelical denomination, basically. Um, and, and Owen's, uh, Owen's parents were, just incredibly supportive to me when i was coming out at a time when my parents couldn't be because uh because of their religious convictions and so uh your parents Owen, really really uh it, it multiple times were responsible for me being able to like eat um and i'm that's not like a metaphor you know they would like i would see them at church on the weekends and they'd give me a hug and they'd you know slip some money in my pocket and tell me to go eat at manas or something you know they were um mm-hmm. They were great. And your dad actually, uh, he, he and Michelle Pinkham looked me in the eye and my name was sent across the president's desk to be expelled because I had come out. And your dad and Michelle Pinkham uh, went to bat for me with the school and said they would, under no circumstances would they let the school kick me out and if they did, um, that there would be legal repercussions and they said they looked me in the eyes and they said we're staying until you graduate. And then the day I got my transcripts I found out that both your, you know, your parents and Michelle had decided to move on and so that was a huge, I mean just vastly formative moment for me. I, I, like I said, you know, yeah. your identity has a way of bubbling up, but I don't know what coming out yeah. would have been like without the me hands in my life, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I mean, that's that's really incredible to, to hear. You know, my parents have shared a little bit more with me about, you know, what was going on with you and some of the other students there as I've gotten older. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's definitely not something I've heard full details on, I think, because, you know, they want you to be able to control your own story. You Absolutely. Know? Um, but it's it's one of those things where, um you know, I had, you know, I had a family uh, in my own case, who uh, took me in for my last two years of high school. Um, So after my parents uh, decided to leave NIAC college, um, you know, they ended up the the best option was to move down to South Carolina so my dad could finish his PhD.
2: Okay. Um,
1: Which, you know, at this point, I was just starting to understand my queerness, barely starting to, you know, figure out my gender identity, um, and really was just thriving in NIAC. didn't want to start over at a new school for you know the final two years and who wants to go to south um, and carolina my family yeah <laughs> yeah like they're you know i love the food <laughs> there are indeed some great people down there but it was just i could tell it was not the time for me to be in such a conservative state
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and my my best friend's family stepped up to the plate and welcomed me into their home for the last two years of high school um which really you know it was really difficult for me you know i Something I've been thinking about more as I've gotten older is that I was a child when I was dealing with all of this stuff
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure all of this stuff out. And, uh, you know, in my experience, uh, the the conservative faith communities that I was a part of could be, uh, I would say unintentionally manipulative in those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, In some cases, it was more intentional. Um, but, you know, people would be doing something uh, with, you know, your best interest in mind, and it would be undermining a really essential self discovery process. Yeah. Um, so for me to be able to kind of not go into an environment where I would have had to have my guard up all the time was, was
0: huge. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. That it's just, it's just such a wild context we came out of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm really grateful. This is a complete aside and not in any way related to the topic. But I I am really grateful that I think um, one of the beauties of a lot of queer stories is like chosen family. And, um, and I'm really grateful for the people that choose to step up and be family. For for especially for people who are kind of in the soup of coming out, you know, and I honestly as just as a complete even more further aside, I think that part of the reason COVID has been so hard on the queer community in particular is because a lot of the queer community is not housed with their chosen family, right? A lot of times we're housed with our biological families, uh, especially in multi generational um, situations, and so I think that. In particular there's been a lot of struggles for the queer community around that idea of being you know kind of mandated to be away from your family of choosing so yeah, that makes yeah. um that kind of makes navigating conversations like we're going to jump into even a little bit more difficult because you got to monitor uh your own physical safety and and well-being along with, can I say what I need to say about what's happening right now. And so I know that for both of us, we're in safe places that we can chat. Uh, as soon as this, this topic kind of started coming up, like we've, we've never not been there as trans people, we're always the lowest common denominator of scapegoat, right? Like, global warming trans people, you know what I mean? Uh, or what, whatever it may be, you know, what I mean, aliens, trans people, mediums, I don't know, This is something we're always the lowest common denominator. But um, I think that a lot lately, this has been coming up uh more so because it's it's a hot button issue that people can use to curry political favor or political fervor right and yep. so we can either get people on our side or we can uh push people away whatever we need to do and as long as we drop this issue of trans folks it's you know i mean it's like um when you drop soap in the water and everything just kind of like you know what i mean like pushes away from it i feel like that's what people try to do with trans folks so um let's go ahead and <laughs> Let me give my little let me give my little spiritual just statement right now because yeah, it'll be absolutely. quick and succinct yeah, so for those of you who know I came from a Christian background like like Owen said they, they understand that as well um, but I just have to go on record as saying we're not going to talk too much about trans people in terms of a religion right now because the Bible doesn't say anything that prohibits people from being trans, and if you're going to live your life by the Bible then I gotta hit you with that fact, man. Some people aren't worried about it. Some people are past that or or aside from that in their brain and that's not an issue. But I know a lot of people are gonna watch this conversation and try to say, but yeah, like what about the Bible? And the thing is I can give you a whole thesis on um why the Bible is in fact, not anti-trans and in fact in some ways pro-trans and we can talk about the good old OG Paul himself love him or hate him but he said he said that there's no male or female like in Christ whatever so if you want to come and have a conversation about that I would invite that I will talk to you privately we're not going to touch on that though because today we're starting from the assumption that religiously there's no argument against trans people because religiously there's no argument against trans people so with that being said I would like to break it down a little bit and we're going to kind of flow in and out of this as owen and i just kind of like wade our way through it but we i want to start by talking about the idea of trans participation in sport um and we'll go from there because it is it, it's it's political it's social it's you know it's athletic it's it's religious it's all of these things but um yeah. talk to me about your starting point for this like when when trans issues especially trans people in sports come up on the news what's the first thing that goes through your mind because the first thing that goes through mine is like again <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely it's one of those conversations that at this point i do find uh somewhat exhausting for sure mm-hmm. um i mean yeah my my initial reaction is definitely <laughs> pretty similar uh in terms of just like a heavy sigh you know maybe yeah. a little bit of an roll, something like that um and that you know that doesn't come from a, a place of um I guess, being mad at anyone necessarily. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. more of just like, this is something that relates directly to who I am and yeah. directly to people who I love. Yeah. If you continue to see this question pop up of, well, should people like you be allowed to engage in sports in this way? Yeah. It just gets tiring. Yes. Um, you know, it, I, I understand that people do not have you know, we're we're none of almost none of us are taught about these issues growing up. Um, it, it is it is just exhausting to continuously have your presence questioned.
0: Yes, and I think in this in this conversation, um, I've gained a little bit of lived experience by by my my orientation right and my gender identity and all that. I've gained a little bit of a deeper level or a different shade of understanding um, about conversations around racism. Uh, because, uh, you know, I have, I could sound like that guy, but I have a ton of black friends. Um, but no, uh, I have a lot of bra- black friends and they've been so gracious as to let me learn by proxy um, and not really push anything on me, but I, they let me see their thoughts yeah. and how they're responding yeah. and their actions. And one thing yeah. I hear a lot from, from uh, especially black women, uh, but black people in general is like, it's not my job to teach you about racism it's your job to learn about racism. And there's Google searches and there are people who's doing this work and you can look up books and you can find podcasts. So I think as I have become a little bit more exhausted of having the conversation, I begin to understand a little bit more, um, at least intellectually, a little bit more about being black in America. So I had this, I had this moment of intersectional thought there where I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> which I understand is privilege and me getting that, but I, I started to feel it more.
1: I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, um, I guess what I would say is that marginalized people can use their marginalization to emphasize more strongly with people who are experiencing a different form of oppression than they are. Yes. It doesn't mean that, you know, that person completely understands this other groups experience on any level. Right. It just deepens the empathy. Yes, Absolutely. Oh uh, like now I now I really get where you're coming from. Yes, you know, even if it's you know, there's so many differences, which is absolutely true. Yeah, um, but I, I think that it really, I think there really can be a difference in in empathy levels absolutely. when you're able to kind of process through stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I definitely have felt that like in the process of realizing my own intersectional areas of marginalization, I have become better able to empathize with other people uh, who are marginalized. And I hope, my hope in society will be that one day, marginalized people groups can bridge our um different areas of intersection uh to stand up yeah. as a whole margin because once the whole yeah. margin joins together then the center should be scared <laughs> um but we would. have to we yeah. have to be able to facilitate that especially you know like in intersectional yeah. interfaith or uh, interracial type of, of movements we have to i need to be just as passionate about disability rights as i am about trans rights i need to be just as passionate yeah. about anti-racism yeah. as i am about anti-homophobia you know, that sort of
1: a thing.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. So so we're here and we're having this conversation. Despite being tired, I drank some coffee. You guys saw me drinking it on camera a few minutes ago. We're here. Uh Owen woke themselves mm-hmm. up. I got myself back in in like American standard time mode. Um and we're gonna have this conversation because we both have a realization that uh people needed to hear this and we figure if we do it now then we can just drop a link instead of have the same conversation again yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again and again. Yeah. So uh, a lot of what I'm seeing is people are really worried about kind of fairness in sport. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot of the concern that I'm hearing on the top level. Mm -hmm. But something Mm -hmm. that I'm noticing is that a lot of the conversation, if you break it down, I'm the guy like my saying right now in my grad school writing and in in my conversations work and all this stuff is like, what's the thing behind the thing? So you're saying this, but I'm hearing this like, You're saying you're worried about your daughter getting a college scholarship, but I'm hearing you're worried about the insanely high cost of tuition, like the thing behind the thing. So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: why do you think that it's so easy for trans people to be this scapegoat, specifically in this context of like trans people playing sports?
2: Um, I mean, I
1: think there's just a general lack of awareness of what being trans actually means and looks like. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, One thing that you know, I've been thinking about a lot, uh, seeing some of the threads that have popped up in the in the group, is that um, a lot of people don't even realize that trans identities have existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah. That's been pretty intentionally removed from our history books.
2: Absolutely. Um, and
1: as uh, one example of the intentionality with that, um, Crow Nation had more than two genders, uh, Forget exactly how many, um, but one of which was Bade. Um, and there was this person uh, who identified as Bade who was known to be this incredible warrior and also one of the best seamstresses. Um, I so, love it. really just like living their best life, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Now, when American colonization came in, they specifically targeted Bade communities within Crow Nation. Hmm. So, we need to abolish Crow Nation, but we especially need to abolish the body Mm
2: -hmm. you need
1: to remove them from society Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that's happened repeatedly across the board and it it leads people to this place where it's okay here's this brand new phenomenon of transness of more than two genders i don't understand it i don't know how to deal with it um so instead of it becoming something where we're looking at each other with compassion Mm -hmm. i think it becomes something that people are a little bit scared of because of that lack of understanding
0: absolutely and you're dead you're dead on there has been so many different cultures and different people groups and different uh societies that have functioned seamlessly
1: yeah every single continent
0: Yep. And they function with multiple ideas of gender. I want to say the first I, the first time that this uh, idea came to mind, like that I learned about it was when I was watching a documentary uh, about uh, a Navajo uh, human being who was who was two spirited. And so um, in, in Native American culture, speaking specifically of this documentary that I watched, because I, I don't want to say that all, all Native American societies are the same because they did have new they do have nuances. Um, but I watched this Navajo documentary about a, a, a person who was too Spirited, and the idea of two spirited is that uh, there were five genders. Um, there was masculine male, uh, masculine female, feminine female, feminine male, and then two spirited. And two spirited was a com- like a, a conversation or you know an intersection is what I meant to say of um, yeah. of the yeah. of the genders, and they fl- yeah. they functioned fluidly. Um, and not only did these people were these people like allowed to exist within society they were actually uh, like celebrated and they were actually kind of considered set apart in a certain way yeah. and so this yeah. is something that's happened for like you said hundreds of thousands of years where this is not a new phenomenon mm-hmm. you know we've been here by different names and in different places but you gotta people need to ask yeah. themselves why was it why were why were we written out of the history books because history has always been written by the victor and if, some, if a group or people group is put down or left out of the history books, like Black people, like Native people, like trans people, you have to ask, why? Like, what threat did we pose to society?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it also, to me, really gets pretty deep into intersectionality. Um, it's really, really important to me, as a queer person, to focus on decolonization, Right and a lot of people get confused about why that is and the reason is because colonization absolutely purged what we now consider to be trans identities from cultures around the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. So so much of colonization was steeped in these Judeo-Christian values you have two genders, the only sexuality is straight, everything tied to biology, that's the end of that. At which point any culture that has more than two gender categories that is fine with people of the same gender engaging with each other sexually, whatever, whatever, well, they're backwards, they're barbarians. they need to be saved from their heathenness, you know yeah. like, and you know it's just one of those things where it's like if, if we are truly going to decolonize, we have to figure out how to reincorporate queerness and transness into our cultures
2: yeah, absolutely
1: um, that, that part of that work is is just kind of the reality of the situation,
0: yeah. Yeah, because there's so many, there's so many, uh, there's so many edges right of society that are cut mm-hmm. off through colonization, and it what yeah. like the the thing that, oh, it just like baffles my mind is the amazing amount of arrogance, like, holy crap, the amazing amount of arrogance in the doctrine of discovery, discovery, where some like rich white aristocrat, you know, queen is like, bro, by my authority, you can go and search out and take over everything the Bible says, like, how what a co opting of a book in specific that was about colonized people. And then you get to a point where this has been happening for so long that now when trans people want to just be in society, it's terrifying and scary.
1: And people are like, well, where'd this come from? You know? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, Something I want to mention just before I forget, Um, there's a really amazing documentary on Netflix called Disclosure. Disclosure specifically covers how trans folks have been portrayed in the media um the american media specifically um and really what it ends up talking about is what we are taught about trans people without realizing that we're being taught it yes um, absolutely so when we talk about explicit versus implicit bias yep this is this documentary is about understanding where implicit bias when it comes to transness may come from at yeah. least in part yeah um You know, I watched it as a trans person. For me, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, my God, this is so validating, you know, in a lot of ways. But it still taught me things. Yes, absolutely. As someone who's trans and looks at the media all the time and tries to think, oh, it never occurred to me that this stereotype is constantly reinforced in this way. Absolutely. Um, So I really, I suggest strongly that people watch that as part of really trying to understand, you know, what thought process are we taught to have about this people group without necessarily realizing that we're being taught it?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I, another thing that I liked about that film was there was a, a plethora of, of Black and brown um, uh, trans people. And I it was... Yes. If not exclusively, it was like 99% trans people. And a lot of them were trans women of yeah. color, including trans women of color who did their whole career. They lived their whole thing and no one knew they were trans. And at the end they mm-hmm. were like, well, I'm trans and it, it didn't way, change anything. You know, like, by the way, yeah. I'm trans. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm sometimes caught up in the amazing amount of courage that, that would have taken, uh, to be trans. Yeah. yeah I think absolutely. that, um, uh, I think that a thing I'd like to talk about Oh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Just Justin, my friend, he's a history teacher, and he said, uh, that's why divine right monarchy had such an ill effect on Western society. We still have that issue when talking about the lack of separation of church and state. We will say things like, Trump was given to us by God. Exactly. There mm-hmm. is a, there's a conflation of, of like you said, yeah. divine right. And, and, and in government, especially in America, there's a, definitely an unholy and unhealthy enmeshment happening. I think that's something that's really important to note too in this trans and sport participation specifically, is that there are many people, there are many people, like thousands of people who are born and do not fit inside the binary. So like... I yeah. myself yeah. was assigned female at birth and I had no, I have no indication that I was anything other than female uh, genetically or anatomically. However, the way that that I am as a human is non-binary period. Don't fight me on it because I won't back down. <laughs> I, yeah. am bo- I, yeah. I embody both masculinity and femininity and I think that's yeah. dope, but there are people, yep. Yep. Um, I actually read a statistic the other, the other day, I think it was yesterday, my friend posted that um, intersex folks occur at the same rate as people who are redheaded. So if you want to normally go ahead.
1: I honestly wonder um, how accurate that statistic is and not necessarily for the reason that most people might think. Mm -hmm. Um, i was reading a, I was trying to find the right article in a medical story, this was like months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up reading part of this article about this woman who did not find out that she was intersex until after she had given birth birth to multiple children. Yes. Um, So this is someone who was assigned female at birth, identified as a woman, started having some weird health thing happen, doctors Mm -hmm. started running tests. Oh, it turns out you technically qualify as being intersex. so, you know, it's one of those things where it just, it makes me curious how often that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of what uh, is important about that conversation is that bodies are already incredibly, incredibly complicated.
2: Yes. Um,
1: there are, there is so much variation, even if you are focusing on people who truly do fit within one of the two binary sex categories. hmm there is so much variation within those bodies yes so much variation um your video went out
0: i just saw that let me get that back okay. on we'll can keep.
1: we we'll keep chatting until oh, it comes back cool, on cool. here <laughs> um but you know it's, it's just it's one of those things where it's like trans people's bodies do not fall outside of that variation
2: no um
1: another thing that i really don't think people understand is the Well, for one thing, the ways in which hormones can impact bodies, um, but also that, so being trans is really fucking hard, right? Yes. That, that becomes a roadblock to doing things like participating in sports. Um, You know, if you're dealing with depression because your family is constantly naming you, it's going to be a lot harder for you to make it to soccer practice and perform well in soccer practice.
2: Sure is. So it's one of
1: those things where, like, when it comes to the immediate now, I really don't see any reason why we shouldn't just try including trans people of all ages on the team that they actually fall in line with as far as their gender identity is concerned. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, there's just, there's no reason to not at this point. Exactly. Um, and there I- isn't. And the thing
0: is is i people like to refer to, to uh you know to trans to trans youth and trans adult as um something that is happen or a choice that is made but the point is is that there are so many people who are intersex who are genetically uh l- literally genetically intersex who are anatomically intersex or um who are born with ambiguous genitalia
1: um that Hormonal levels alone can qualify you as being intersex. Exactly, yeah, Extriforme just hormone levels, levels alone, period. Which, and- to me, speaks to the fragility of binary sex categories is that they're they're actually pretty flimsy to begin with because they, they don't are. even take intersex people into account. Literally. So to, to base all of sport on something that more and more scientists are speaking up and saying is out of date and doesn't take into, <laughs> into um, account the, the reality of, human diversity yep you know why are, why are we still basing our, our sports on that
0: literally i'm actually in a course right now which is a super dope course it's uh called trans nope it's not called trans anything it's called it's called queer eco-spiritualities it's a theology mm-hmm. course linking together uh queer theology and eco-conscious theology and there's Uh, It's amazing. I'm going to wall out on this one day towards the end of (laughs) semester when I'm not still writing essays about it. I'm going to break it all down for you. But but basically, we're starting with the understanding of queer theology. We're talking about uh, eco-conscious theology and we're we're linking the two together because actually nature is quite queer. And people can fight me if they want. I will drop the articles and the scientists and the page numbers. But literally, they're... Yeah, there's over 23,000 species of creatures that are queer. And I'm not just talking about engaging in same-sex, like, population. I'm talking about an actual gender. There is gender divergence. There is gender variance. There is gender fluidity. There is is same-sex procreation. There is alternate um, social and hierarchical structures that just completely shatter the idea that anything about life was supposed to be male or female or heterosexual. Over twenty three thousand species, bro. Like that's nuts. And so we come to this conversation about sport, and, and and people all of a sudden are like, "Whoa, that's not natural, but
2: it is." Yeah,
1: I, it's I think crazy. Another thing with the sport conversation that's really important is when I see a lot of people bringing up questions of fairness. I don't think they realize this, but they are only thinking about what is fair for cis people.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. They're
1: not thinking about what is fair for trans people. Absolutely. And that's really, really important. It's like when we talk about fairness for everyone, you have to include everyone in that conversation, in that thought process, which means including trans people.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: And and saying like, oh, well, well, this is what is, fair for me yep that's awesome but what about everyone else who's in the world exactly Um, and you
0: know when you look at trans women particularly black and brown trans women you know I did a uh, I did a reading for a trans day of remembrance service this year and I just mm -hmm. read the names of the trans people who were murdered around the world last year Mm -hmm. just in one calendar year it took me 46 minutes to just read the name and the date that these people passed away just that so so you know five seconds on each person it took me 45 minutes so when you want to talk about when you want to talk about being fair let's talk about what we're doing to trans people by consistently othering them like trans people are already marginalized and you are further marginalizing them because you're not going to put you're not going to put a trans woman on a men's basketball team because everyone's going to laugh But you're not going to put a trans woman on on a women's basketball team because why? You know what I mean? We're not talking about when we're talking about professional sport, that's a different conversation. And frankly, there's even less ground there because professional sport is a business. And when you when you sign on to professional Mm -hmm. sport, you are you are not only an active participant, you're a commodity and you're doing things by that system. There's no overarching moral guideline to sport. Like you said, simply hormone levels can make you not qualify. Like there are instances of of female assigned female at birth participating in female sport athletes who had to lower their naturally occurring testosterone to compete in sport. So when we're at that level, that's a decision you're making. And frankly, if we want to talk about MMA fighters crushing someone else's skull, you signed up to be an MMA fighter.
1: like. And when it comes to MMA fighters, there's weight classes. Exactly. So you're not going to have a you know petite five-foot person fighting against someone who's six foot four anyway. Exactly. Um, you know, like, but um, I had a thought and I lost
2: it.
0: Oh, that's okay. Um, it, I just, I think when we're talking about, when we're talking about, uh, fully formed adults and and, and participation in sport, like I keep trying to emphasize over and over again, there are so many hormone levels that you have to meet, even as a college athlete, like I couldn't eat, like there was, there was things I couldn't eat because I couldn't have it in my system and still legally play, you know? So, so professional sport is, is one thing when we're talking about high school sports, it's a whole different story. And I think that, um, do you know anything offhand uh justin did ask a question here he asked do we know any um any stats on trans participation in sports at the high school level i don't know any off the top of my head Um, i think that something that's really important to remember when talking about this whole trans conversation is that um, trans and non-binary people are counted are not counted in any census data LGBTQ yeah, yeah. people, like gay and lesbian people are barely counted in any census data. In fact, that's one of the yeah. insidious moves that Trump made during his last, pre- during his presidency was that he, he, he intended to, and was able yeah. to remove LGBTQ data from the census. And as anyone who's yeah. worked in nonprofit work knows, there's no funding without data. So what essentially yeah. happened was just an erasure of LGBTQ yeah. people. Yeah. In in the way that certain races are erased by uh, medical forms and census forms, so there's, I I, I will take a look at that, Justin. Particularly for you, we'll we'll try to pull up some actual good resources there. But it's it's important to note that the the data can be hard to find, especially at high school age, because you're dealing with folks that might be minors. So
1: yeah, and the the other thing with high school is that. you have to assume that the person would be comfortable marking off their actual mm-hmm. identi- identity on a form,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which at a high school level is just not always the case.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I would say that one of the things that would be key in helping uh, student, you know, I guess trans kids be more comfortable with coming out at that age would actually be taking into account all school activities and how do we let our kids engage with these? Yeah. Um, you know, if you know that your school, if you, if you try to find out and you find out that your school has no idea how they're, how they're gonna deal with a trans student who wants to play sports and playing soccer is the best part of your school year, you're gonna stop and think about if you really wanna potentially give up soccer, Yeah. For the sake of coming out
2: because Absolutely. it's the only
1: good thing in your school year right so when it comes to trans people participating in sports it's not to me it's actually not about like when, you, when you're talking about like high school level that kind of thing to me it's not really necessarily about fairness within the sport it's about the social ramifications of not allowing trans people to participate mm-hmm. on what is actually the appropriate team based on their gender yeah Um, you are isolating people you are so you know there's to kind of draw a comparison um, there's a trend in Hollywood to cast a cis man to play a trans woman right Mm -hmm. now one of the things that that does is undermine the idea that a trans woman is actually a woman yes when you look at this when you look at the character on the screen you're looking at a cis man dressed up as a woman Mm -hmm. and when that actor is doing an interview about the movie they are presenting themselves as a man and that makes their character's womanhood seem like a costume because it is exactly and in reality trans people are living this 24 7 yes you know so there's a similar social ramification to forcing trans people to play on the team that matches with the gender they were assigned at birth
2: absolutely They're sending
1: a message to everyone around them that their actual gender is not actually their gender
0: Exactly. It's it's absolutely, yeah, yeah, gender becomes something that's performative, which if we really want to go all queer theory, gender is drag in general. But I'm not going to try to take it to that level right now, so we'll stick here. Um, Justin brought up a great point. You, Justin's my dude, uh, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> we chat all the time about stuff like this, uh, but he was saying that... Um, he firmly believes that uh, it's a conservative scare tactic to talk about trans mm-hmm. people in sport at the high school level mm-hmm. because they're talking about something that is is overwhelmingly rare uh, and is not really, at this point, to be honest, given our, our methods of gathering data, I would almost venture to say it's not statistically significant. Um, it's yeah. it's a scare tactic, much like bathrooms. Yeah. And so it's a conservative thing yeah. where they're like, let's let's take this obscure thing that we, we really don't even have data on and let's like scare yeah. people about yeah. it. You know yeah. uh, when in reality yeah. if you want to talk about trans people some of the statistics that we do have indicate that trans people are infinitely more likely to be a a, a victim of a violent act than yeah. to be a perpetrator yeah. of a violent act Absolutely. um and and i think that that's there's a big thing that's the case with with trans kids in sports and i think another yeah. thing yeah just like the bathrooms justin just just like the bathrooms it's not terrifying your gender at, your your bathroom at home is non-binary. <laughs> get scared uh, go put uh, a sign up on your bathroom at home man <laughs> also like
1: bathroom stalls not to dwell on my bathroom stalls in america are built so poorly like you know you see photos of bathroom stalls from many countries in europe and it's like the door doesn't have like inch gaps on each side yep. it's actually an appropriate height and length yep. you know like that is a design flaw in American bathrooms that is not default to trans people and we should still be able to pee safely
0: <laughs> yes Justin just said plus public bathrooms are scary in general you should avoid them I agree yeah. at this point yeah. they're terrifying you know what I mean and and, yeah. and it's just a scare tactic it's just something that we can throw on the fire it's an it's a, yeah. it's a yeah. non-issue or a less existing issue, and it's being used yeah. to be divisive. And I think that's that that's yeah. why I want to put this conversation out there is basically to call bullshit like I want to yeah. call bullshit. I'm gonna hit you with some facts. Yeah. Owen's going to hit you with yeah. some facts. We're going to talk about some real scientific details and we're going to take yeah. the steam out of this argument because it's not an argument. It's a it's it's a pawn. It's it's it's, yeah. it's an incendiary yeah. device that that the people are trying to place. I think another thing that's important when we're talking about um trans kids participating sport particularly at the high school level is we've got to talk about hormones because at hormones everybody in high school is at a different stage in development that's just yeah. the nature of, of high school yeah and there's so much happening and so much fluctuating like we've all seen you know we've all seen the kid the, the sixth grader who has a mustache right and we're trying to like play sport we're trying to play basketball with this kid like this is not this is not okay you know i mean there are people who develop or we as people all develop our secondary sex characteristics and we go through puberty at our own rates and so you could already have someone who has more testosterone playing on the same team as someone who has less you know, um, yeah. Yeah. what we're really talking about when we talk about trans kids playing sports is we're talking about their genitals. And it's really creepy to me that we're talking about the genitals of our children. Like, that's strange.
2: <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, I think that's something that um, trans people go back to a lot for good reason.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: like, when it gets down to it, what you are worried about is what's in my pants. And I don't understand how that's any of your business. Yep
0: yeah like. it just it just gets like i really like to play it like this because a lot of uh, this has happened to me and my and my partner a lot people will come up to ella and they'll be like so did leo have the surgery and, and we would both get annoyed with her that at first and it, you know when i was first coming out we were working on our own stuff and it'd be a little triggering but at the point we're at right now first of all she's a baddie let me tell you you don't want to come up against a, a puerto rican woman um <laughs> uh, but the thing is is she'll be like so How's your husband's penis? You know, she just put it right back mm-hmm. in their court. In in that language, the thing behind the yeah. thing is like they're like, yeah. the the thing is. Did Leo have the surgery? The thing behind the thing is yeah. what's in Leo's pants and how do they
1: use it? Which is weird, yeah. bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those like wow. yeah, a lot of those kinds of things. It could also be a, what positions do you enjoy? You exactly, know? Like, because how do you have sex? Is a weirdly common questions that's thrown at trans people, both directly and indirectly. And it's just like, do I get to interrogate you about this back? Or is this a one-way street? Like, what are we, what are we
2: doing here?
0: Yeah, like, I am not public property, much less my genitals are not public property. And I just can't, I, like, particularly when we're having this conversation about high school kids playing sports, why are you talking yeah. about their genitals?
1: That's so weird. So yep. you're either yeah, completely
0: obsessed with genitals or there's yeah. something else going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing that's important to mention with um, trans high schoolers is that um, it's very rare for a minor to go directly onto testosterone or estrogen. It is much more common for them to go onto hormone blockers. Mm-hmm. What blockers do is they basically put a pause button on puberty um, so, you know, kids who come out at like the age of like five or eight, something like that, um, if their parents are supportive and take them to an endocrinologist, that's usually what the endocrinologist does. This is done for a few reasons. One reason is that when you put the pause button on puberty um, for someone who was assigned female at birth, um, you might be able to avoid them developing the larger chest size altogether. Mm-hmm. Then they don't need to get top surgery at all. They can just kind of that part mm-hmm. um, but you know it generally it does things like that that can make things more comfortable for this trans kid while they're getting to adulthood the other reason so, is because if if you go off hormone blockers and and don't start taking anything else you go through puberty like normal mm-hmm. exactly as your body would have had you do just maybe a little bit later than your body would have started it yeah, absolutely so it also creates room for these kids to really through their decisions and all that kind of stuff. Now, absolutely. I would argue that like 9.99 times out of 10, no one is going to get to the point of going on hormone blockers without having already thought through their decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a it's a really important thing to point out. There, there's so much there that's important. So thank you for bringing it up because I don't think a lot of people know about blockers. And like the thing about hormone blockers is like if I had hormone blockers when I was younger, uh, which I wasn't, I... I lacked the context to understand my gender and orientation when I was younger because of the context I grew up in. So for me, this is not, you know, a foolproof example, but say I had understood my gender earlier and I had taken hormone blockers, I would have never had to have such an invasive procedure as a double mastectomy. Now I am incredibly grateful that I had top surgery. I am actually very proud of my scars because I don't want to appear cisgendered. Um, but like I wouldn't have necessarily had to have that invasive surgery, which bears with it a call And it bears with it health ramifications and it bears with it, you know, all sorts of things like, and I could have avoided that if I had been able to go on blockers.
1: I think uh, another thing that's important to talk about when it comes to avoiding surgery uh, or top surgery specifically is you also avoid binding. Um, Yes. So for people who don't know what that is, um, binding is when you wear something that compresses your chest so that it appears to be flat, even though it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, I wore a binder for six years and have walked out of it with chronic back pain issues. Yep. yep. Six years. That's really not that long. I promise. Yep. Um, it's also something where like, if you are wearing a binder, um, you cannot do, or you're not supposed to do a certain extent of physical yep. labor, whether that's working out or doing your job. Yes. Um, I know multiple multiple trans folks who have gotten fractures in their ribs mm-hmm. because, the, the, you know, they their job was working at a warehouse. Yep. They have to wear a binder for safety reasons to yes. not out themselves to their coworkers. Yes. So now they're wearing a binder while working at a at a warehouse, and it's like, why does my rib hurt? I, I know why. Right. It's probably a stress fra- fracture. Yeah. So even when it comes to Um, you know, like hormone blockers help you avoid that as well Mm -hmm. as avoiding top surgery. Mm -hmm. When it comes to top surgery, that is actually part of why it's really important. It's because finding has more negative effects on your body long term than top surgery does.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and there there are there are overarching health concerns attached to all of this. I mean, even if you want to talk mm-hmm. about, say, someone, say someone's trans masculine, um, and they don't get the appropriate like medical advice and stuff, like a lot of trans masculine folks will will not go see a gynecologist. And that's yeah. troublesome yeah. because like i'm not a woman but i got some woman parts you know and so there's mm-hmm. these health risks and there's this disjointedness that happens when yeah. we don't just freaking talk about it and let yeah. trans people live you know what i mean like there's there's mm-hmm. there's so many ramifications to it especially when yeah. you, when you're yeah. talking about trans kids i mean when you're yeah. talking about yeah. trans kids you also have to have the conversation of is their family open and affirming Like, are we talking about their mental health? There's so many things at stake.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think one of the um, biggest health risks for trans people personally is the absolute lack of research
2: Mm
1: -hmm. on trans bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's important to state with this to me is that this also very much applies to intersex people. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it also applies to many communities of color.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the, the normal person in American medical science is a certain amount of skinny, white, cisgender, heterosexual, you know, like, but um, in, in trans people's cases, it plays out in a lot of different ways. So like, I, I have asthma, right? And every mm-hmm. time I do a, like peak lung flow test where you go into the tube, What my doctor does is pulls up the chart that says a a woman's, you know, lung capacity should be in this range and a man should be in that range and then averages it together Mm -hmm. because I started hormones early enough that it, I, you know, my feet grew a little bit, you know, like that kind of thing. So it could have impacted my lung capacity, but Mm -hmm. we don't know if going on hormones can impact lung capacity because no one's ever taken the time to study it. Um, enough studies have been done to know that there are no disastrous effects Mm -hmm. but there's a massive gap when it comes to actually being able to manage health concerns that trans people have like everyone else yes just because the research hasn't been
0: done yet and the research can't be done if there's no if there's no statistical data about people existing and if you don't yep. let yep. trans children play sports that's another step to our erasure like it, it all yep. it all flows together and it might seem like we're talking yep. about this and this and this and this but that's because it's all the same thing right you yep. know we uh, yep. it's like I, I read a study about um like car safety, right? And, and the average t- uh crash test dummy was like you know a five foot nine uh, Caucasian skeleton, because because there mm-hmm. are skeletal differences across like ethnicities, which is that's not racist. <laughs> that's just like there's a thing. Bodies are diverse across all sorts of boundaries. That's why there's no. Bond. Um, yeah. But 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 like if there's no representation, if there's no testing, there's no acknowledgement, there's no treatment. Like yeah. there's this whole systemic fallout, and yeah. Yeah. allowing people to just play freaking sports if they want to, while it might seem small and it is statistically insignificant, um, it's not insignificant. You know, overall philosophically, yeah,
1: socially, yeah, yeah, yeah socially, absolutely. That stuff is so important.
0: Absolutely yeah it's just so important and, and i think a lot of things especially when it comes to sport is that people don't realize i got i got into it man and i don't get into it on facebook like i just don't because no one comes to facebook to have their mind changed it's like not a thing <laughs> but i got into it yeah, with some yeah. some really turfy people the other day mm-hmm. now conversation mm-hmm. pause turf stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know um and a, there are there is a movement of people of of um just people who don't want to acknowledge that that trans women are women and don't want to admit them or allow them space yeah. and any conversation that's centered around uh femininity and so i got into this conversation with the other day of a, a woman who just literally I- yeah go ahead
1: I also want to clarify that TERF is not, in fact, a slur, um, which is something that I've seen people saying on the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: <laughs> a slur not recently. It is not a slur. Um, like Leo said, trans exclusionary radical feminist, it is a way of, it is literally just an abbreviation for saying, this is someone who calls himself a feminist but does not like trans women, really, trans people generally. Um, trans women are seen as men who are masquerading as women for the sake of threatening real women Uh, trans men and anyone who's afab who's trans is seen as a betrayer of womanhood Mm -hmm. Um, so TERFs really just kind of hate all trans people they definitely attack trans women by far the most
0: absolutely Um, and it's it's not a slur it's not a slur it's not a slur It's just an identifier. (laughs) Um, Not that not that Owen and I have have like encountered conversations about this ever in our lives. But, um, you know, there, there are categories of people and you, you know, I hate, I hate to out our community like this but there is even categories within the LGBTQ community that have adopted uh, patriarchal and binary hierarchy uh, the, it, like just because you're gay doesn't mean you're immediately open-minded um, you can yeah. see that in terms of like rainbow capitalism where pride events become more about selling and buying and slapping a rainbow on something that will actually do nothing to help the community um, you can see that in spaces where cisgendered white men um, albeit gay are still considered to be the default voice of the LGBT community like let's that's one of the things about disclosure that was so good was that it was it was black trans women talking you know um yeah, like
1: there is a ton of racism within yeah. the entire lgbtq community absolutely there's a ton of transphobia yeah um amongst the, the cisgender portion yeah the lgbtq yep. um, yeah um it's a thing like, are massive issues that we have to grapple with which also like any white queer and trans people out there part of queer people being invested in decolonization is queer people being invested in anti racism. By default it to me is a requirement of being yes. queer.
0: Yes. Yes. You cannot if you are queer and
1: racist, get the hell out. <laughs> like it just it's You're not you're not queer anymore. You're yeah. gay. For me, yeah. I use gay and queer very differently. There's yeah. the gays who are more uh normative more focused on assimilating into culture instead of disrupting it and changing it for the better for everyone yes Um, you know like that kind of thing so yeah i use gay and queer very differently if you are a racist queer you are not queer you are now in the gay category
2: yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) and that's not to say that all gays are racist like because some people some people really are like binary uh uh, like identify as what they were assigned as birth and prescribed to the current Mm. social you know norms like say you were assigned male you feel I male feel you identify as male but that's not necessarily yeah. the problem the problem is is in yeah. in your orientation of thinking because queer tends to imply a breaking down of binaries so you yeah. can you yeah. can you can subscribe to the current binary definition of male yeah.
1: yeah yeah you yeah. can be a gay queer I know, I know people who are gay and are of a queer community yeah and i know people who identify as queer and are part of the gay community you know like which is a complicated thing about how the, how I use those words, which I should also acknowledge. I'm very used to it, right? You know, but it's like there's there's lowercase queer and gay, which are an individual's identities, and then there's the capital G gay community and capital Q queer community, which yes. is where the difference is I was talking about come in play. You can be yeah. gay and believe. All kinds of different
0: things absolutely um, yeah and it doesn't like, make you immune and yeah. you i mean i i, I want to draw this parallel and not saying that i'm speaking from my own experience but speaking from proximity um there's there's also been studies and stuff done on how like uh there's a lot of patriarchy within african-american communities not that that's exclusionary <laughs> to them like you know what i mean but there's just not because you're marginalized yeah. doesn't mean that you instantly understand intersectionality like um, natalie just pointed out on our feed she said it's so confusing to me that people who are already marginalized are so quick to further marginalize others and i don't see that's what i don't understand especially about about women
1: hi hi kitty how are you this is my naked cat her name is roxy
0: hi roxy
1: Interrupt me when I'm on
0: video. Of course, so do so do my animals. that's totally chill. She's also super cute, and I want a naked cat. Thank
1: you.
0: (laughs) Um, But favorite, I love it. Yeah, there's just so there's so many instances in which marginalized people then perpetuate marginalization, and so like if you really want to be truly queer or truly open or truly progressive, you need to dismantle the system that creates the oppression. It's not enough for women to have rights. Yo, let me tell you this, let me hit you with this. Susan B. Anthony, right? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, women's right to vote, right? Susan B. Anthony is quoted as saying, if this is a paraphrase, but this this is the the gist of her quote in like current language vernacular, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you have to choose between white women and black women to give them the right to vote, you should choose white women because they're smarter. Susan B Anthony said that. So so she's like taking her marginalization and perpetuating
2: it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: There Mm -hmm. has to, in my mind, there has to be a way to move forward to freedom that doesn't also continue to subjugate others. And that, that I don't know. How do we do that? It
1: also, it also to me speaks to a trend that we're seeing continue in a way that's targeted at at trans people now. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is like, In the the early days of modern feminism, white women were only fighting for white women. Yes. And arguably not even poor white women. They were only fighting for middle and upper class white women, right? Yep. Um, And we see this kind of thing continue where it's like, I'm going to fight for myself while specifically trying to keep you down. I mean, Irish people assimilated into whiteness.
2: Mm And the
1: way that Irish Americans specifically did that was participating in anti-Black racism. That was how Irish Americans bought their ticket into whiteness, right? So when I see people who are feminists except for trans women, to me, it's a continuation of this cycle of, we have to keep the door kind of closed. And I think that that gets into a lot of stuff, honestly, that to me, is somewhat rooted in capitalism
2: Yeah, because
1: capitalism puts a lot a lot a lot of weight on being successful right yeah. and capitalism has a specific definition of what that looks like and it includes having more than other people mm-hmm. so if you enable everyone to have access to everything you are now lowering your own chances of being successful under
0: capitalism absolutely Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a scarcity mentality. And what's crazy is that we made it. (laughs) like humans made it it's a thing that is created like more equality Mm -hmm. for Owen doesn't mean less equality for Leo like that's just absolutely crazy we've created this environment of scarcity and then we're doing stuff based off of that like we're doing shit based off that that's so Mm -hmm. mind-blowing and reductionary to me because it leads to exactly what you said a cycle of repeating and perpetual marginalization and so what you see a lot now and and what, what led us on this whole tangent anyways was i was having a conversation with a cisgender woman who said she was a feminist and Mm -hmm. it, 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 it i guess i guess she was a feminist and not a womanist because womanist is a movement that makes space for black women mm-hmm. and is not mm. taken over by the pink hats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the march in Washington, D.C. Uh, that everybody was so stoked on was primarily run by white women, but it was a rip off yeah. of an, an idea that was run by black women and it didn't get as much yeah. coverage because it was black women. But the black women yeah. did the work. And so what we yeah. see now is I'm, I'm having all of this so socially and ideologically and theologically and philosophically leads to a place where I'm having a conversation with someone who was assigned female at birth. and they're advocating for the exclusion of a trans female in sport you know what that translates down to if you break that down that means someone in that in this area in the town that i grew up in there is a lonely lonely unsupported trans girl who just wants to play a sport and you said no
1: because you have the wrong
0: genitalia yeah
1: which isn't I saw a post about this recently, and it does come to mind for me uh, pretty frequently, when in a conversation with someone who does identify themselves as a feminist but does not support trans people. At a certain point, trans-exclusionary feminism is once again saying that women are walking vaginas and men are walking penises.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So we're kind of going in a circle. In that case, because feminism started out being rooted in, you know, biology to an extent, but it was about celebrating the limitations of that biology, you know, and then it was about there not being limitations because all of the biological stuff is bullshit and now some people are getting to this point of like, no, but the the biological stuff is real, though. For the sake of excluding trans people, but when yes. it comes to talking about cis women versus cis men, it doesn't—the the biology doesn't matter anymore. Like, yeah, which is a lot of mental hoops to me. But I a don't lot. think people really sit down to consider right. that if you're excluding trans women simply because of their assigned gender at birth and what their body looks like, you are once again reducing gender to genitalia
0: yes and you're you're again see there's this whole system in play that uh and I, i've been reading about this uh, I, I i read a lot generally but like i read a shit ton now for school but um i was ta- reading about kind of the development of the early church and the development of christian thought and in the beginning we we're talking about a little bit about like greek philosophers and stuff and there was actually a school of thought that comes from the ancient world where that like women were just defective men um and they were just men who failed to like actualize and, and there's this kind of system of development and you can see it and it you can see the the, the footprints of it or the you know the, mm-hmm. the scraps of it throughout history and the idea is that we're going to define everything around male experience right we are centering the patriarchy and males and male experience in the middle and everything revolves yes. around that so is so if you're going to be a trans exclusionary feminist you are are, are once again basically centering the masculine experience by saying like that's nope nope penis nope testosterone nope like y- y- yeah. you have to actually break down the binary if it, this and now this is like the queer in me but you have to actually break down the binary if you're going to yeah. create equality and you cannot yeah. break down a binary by saying bro you got a penis you can't play women's sports like that's crazy it's yeah. it's reinforcing yeah. that that binary and that patriarchy yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely
0: yeah, Natalie, it came back on. I know we've, I know you and I have said this, uh, but Natalie's echoing it once again, and I feel like I could say it every three minutes, and it would still be impactful. You're talking about genitalia again. Yeah, <laughs> like people don't realize that that's what their logical base level is, right? Because what what are people actually worried about like what what is the actual worry about trans women playing sports. Uh, They might have long limbs, they might have more testosterone, they might be more aggressive, but here's the thing, especially in sport, the people that succeed in sport and that continue to succeed in sport are already genetic outliers Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Their, their limbs are already longer by nature, yes. like even female basketball players. If you take a measurement of someone's length of their arm or you can also look at like how far when someone's standing up, if you look at how far from there their, it is from their shoulder to their knee mm-hmm. and how much mm-hmm. of that space is covered by their arm. The average point guard has a wingspan that's one to two to three inches wider than that typical proportion would be right yeah. so their hands yeah. already automatically come down close to their kneecaps therefore their wingspan is already longer guess what that's probably why they made it a little further when you I'm look serious. at when you look at pele um the the brazilian like soccer god that he was the re- one of the reasons that pele was so good aside from natural talent was he had an amazingly low resting heart rate his uh yeah. his his resting heart rate was half of what the average yeah. person's resting heart rate was so when when he was running he was having the same heart rate that I'm having while I'm sitting there eating potato chips. That's part of why he made it. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking yeah. about trans people in sport, if you reduce it to a genitalia conversation, you've missed the whole point. Not everybody is going to succeed in sport, and that sucks, bro. Like, I run like a duck, and I have asthma. Yeah. I wanted to play pro sports. Guess what? My genetics outed me on that path. Yeah. I couldn't work yeah. hard enough to yeah. overcome it. So, like, you, yeah. we're already talking about we're already talking about genetic outliers and we're talking about participation and we're talking about hormones and you're trying to bring in genitals of kids of minors why so many people talking about the genitals of minors yeah yeah I was a whole rant on my part I am sorry but
1: (laughs) no I I, I'm feeling you man I'm with you on that it's a it's a frustrating thing you know I, I think that you know most trans people we have already had to do the work of undoing what the world has taught us about ourselves validating ourselves and learning to love ourselves yep. right so that i think is a painful point when these kinds of conversations come up right yep. it's like okay so i am once again once again someone is asking me to validate my existence yep explain why i still did, you know like it's like this is already something that I've devoted a lot of my time and energy to
0: yes yes you know I'm like
1: I would say less as time goes on you know yep. because it's you know getting top surgery was a game changer for me right right I feel like I was settling into my body tattoos also honestly have been huge for me with that yep but it's you know it's one of those things where it's like we we are already doing that process for ourselves yes um and also end up doing the same process for so many other people in our lives yes it's not that the education isn't important yeah and it's not that i don't want to educate people i i honestly love engaging with education when i have the capacity for it yes i just don't always have the capacity yes for those conversations
0: to continue to validate myself externally when i've already gone through the process of working to validate myself internally is very very it's very very tiring you know and we can't we can't continue to do that like it's just it's not acceptable i mean uh, yeah. as as natalie pointed out here on our feed too like there w- there is a time where people w- subscribe to this psychological concept and 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 the vestiges of it are still there but um freud uh basically thought that the the root of a lot of a lot of uh women's mental problems because they they didn't have a penis and so they felt inadequate and mm-hmm. not whole so there's a psychological mm-hmm. orientation around this you know heterosexual cisgender norming like yeah. trans people yeah. are already fighting through a society that has yeah. these underpinnings There is not one high school assigned male at birth human that's like, I could get a scholarship if I was a girl that's the other that's, that's the other thing about trans too is, is i think particularly why we're talking about trans women first of all apparently people don't give a crap about trans men maybe getting pummeled they don't care but when it comes to oh, trans yes. women um they're really worried that people are going to transition just to abuse children in bathrooms or to play sports but the the thing is, is that to be a trans woman in America, I personally believe that it's probably the hardest road to walk to be a trans woman in America, specifically a black trans woman, because our society is still patriarchal fight me on that we could go. But our society is patriarchally oriented. And what that means is our society still values the male. So when you transition from male assigned male at birth to female, you are transgressing the binary, you are taking off Mm -hmm. male privilege and you are taking on stigma and shame that is layered and layered and layered and layered in our history no one does that for a
1: scholarship no one does that for the bathroom i mean every time someone you know pulls that up either as a hypothetical or does a well i'm just gonna go say i'm a woman so i can do this ha 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 i'm like okay so why don't you actually try doing that and see what the fuck happens? Because it's yep. not going to be a pleasant experience nine no. times out of ten. No. You're going to have a bad time. Yep. yep. You know, like, okay, so you think kids are going to start saying they're trans just to get scholarships? Yep. How do you think that conversation is going to go down with their family? Exactly. You know, like, it just does not actually make sense when you take into account that life is hard for trans people simply on the fact that we're trans yep there's
0: a there's a pastor in my town right now that is making live videos left and right saying that uh saying that he's gonna get a couple of guys together and put on dresses and go play women's volleyball and i i want to be like bro first of all you're crazy like get off this shit. the bible doesn't say anything that backs up what you're saying Mm -hmm. but second Mm -hmm. of all um that's not actually trans okay yeah. that's that's not actually trans yeah. <laughs> let's be clear about yeah. that but second yep. of all let's say magically that you could fit your bald ass head in a dress and pass for a female i have some feelings in case you can't tell uh but let's say magically that you could pass as female with that busted <laughs> face <laughs> let me let me see how the police treat you yeah
1: let me
2: and, see but like
1: how treat you. but that's the other thing right it's like this idea of passing is really unfair to begin with yes um I mean, folks who are trans and are AFAB, honestly, just to be completely real about it, have a much easier time with passing. Yes. Than someone who is a trans woman or otherwise assigned male, and presenting in a more feminine way.
0: AFAB Facial... equals assigned female at birth. In case anybody missed mm-hmm. that, so AFAB uh, is assigned female at birth is just an easier way to yeah. say all those words. So, but yes,
1: yeah, so go mm-hmm. keep keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, and also just in case anyone is curious about this, the reason I say assigned blank at birth instead of just saying male or female um, is because of the whole biological sex is actually super complicated. Mm -hmm. um, And these two categories don't take into account intersex existence. Um, It's also because my body no longer fits into a female category. Mm -hmm. um, And because I never was actually a woman. I've always been striving to do my own thing with my gender, but didn't absolutely not have the language for it as a kid, nor did I have the space to experiment with it. But like, it's one of those things where are reflecting back. I can see that it was on my mind in some ways,
2: just mm-hmm.
1: not, you know, as clearly articulated as I can articulate it now. Exactly. Not as well as expressed as I can express it now. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like passing is another really, really unfair thing that is put on trans people, especially trans women. Yep. Um you know, transmasculine folks, like I have a little bit of an Adam's apple, um, just from being on hormones, you know, like that kind of thing, um, but for for folks who are, um, you know, who are AMAB, you start looking at, in some cases, folks want facial feminization, that is an extreme expensive expensive surgery very much um someone who has a a really prominent adam's apple might want to shave that down that's also really expensive yeah you know like that kind of stuff is not taken care of by hormones no um hormones only do so much and surgeries only do so much so honestly like and this is kind of a tangent from what you were talking about but like expecting trans people to pass is frankly bullshit it is
0: totally bullshit because gender is performative gender yep. is drag it's a thing uh gender is a social construct 125 million percent fight me on it bro fight yep. me on it um gender is a social construct and you are uh, no one is under any uh, no one is under any authority or pressure to so have to perform yep. the yep. way society says you have to perform right yep. it's not a thing yep. and that includes yep. trans women who are can be fully female and look however the yeah. hell they want. Yep. Like that's a thing. Yep. Because Absolutely. because to be passing is simply another phrase to like fit into fit into the mold that your society has given you. Yeah. Because make it's no about mis- norms. Yeah, and it's about norms. Meaning
1: norms. Yep. There are trans women who continue to have big beautiful beards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: with a you know wonderful bit of eyeshadow above it i've never been a makeup person but you know like that kind of thing where it's like even a beard is not actually inherently masculine Mm -hmm. yep um there there are plenty of feminine ways
0: yeah there are plenty of there are plenty of women who were they not uh kind of cloistered or pressured by their society they would naturally grow facial hair that's a thing like, I yeah. remember thinking yeah. that um, if I had polycystic ovaries, ovarian syndrome, I think that's how you say it, um, it, it can affect your hormone levels. And it plays out for a lot of females in a lot of different ways. But one of the things is it can cause excess or it can cause unwanted facial hair. And so I remember thinking like, oh, if I had only had Picos, I could have had unwanted facial hair, which is privileged. And I, under, I admit it, but it was just one of those things in that moment where I was just like, I want a beard, you know, and thank goodness I got good yeah. beard genes because I can have one now. I actually just trimmed mine down. But um you know th- these are things these are things that are the are It's a social determinant there are cultures where men wear skirts and that's not weird there are, you know what I mean? There's also, yeah. there's, there was, a, I think it was Puerto Ricans that were matrilineal, which from my friend who is Puerto Rican, so i am play off her. but from my understanding in traditional, like Taino culture, the women cho- chose who they would sleep with. They would have babies. And then the, the women and men would be like, boop, bye. You know what I mean? So, so even gender roles and how gender functions in society is determined by your society. And so, so no trans person should feel that they have to fit any given role. Yeah. They just shouldn't. Yeah. And if you're making them feel that way, you're a dick. (laughs) Um, It's so true. And when this, let's talk about secondary sex characteristics for a minute, because I do believe that, um, like, I think that's one of the things that makes it harder for uh, trans uh, females or people who are assigned male at birth to, to appear differently, because that's not, it's not something that one surgery does i think this is also a common thing that people don't necessarily realize about being trans or non-binary uh people would ask me all the time have you had the surgery well like what do you what do you fucking mean do you do I have my tonsils out like what, what are you talking about uh nine times out of ten yet again they're talking about my genitals <laughs> but there's no one surgery that just masculinizes your entire body much like there is no one surgery that feminizes your entire body and, and the secondary sex characteristics brought on by testosterone are much more noticeable and much harder to alter
1: more permanent
0: yes yep absolutely
1: permanent actually and not in all cases um but in many cases so like if you are afab and start out with you know naturally higher estrogen levels uh when you go on testosterone your voice will drop Mm -hmm. and you'll develop an atoms apple if you are amab with naturally high testosterone levels when you increase your estrogen levels your voice doesn't change at all Mm -hmm. it does not get higher again once your voice drops it's dropped it's dropped that
0: yep yep it doesn't Um, change those are
1: immutable traits mm -hmm. yeah so um another thing that i think is important um, related to what you brought up is that um transitioning takes time Mm -hmm. um i think there's they have sometimes that when a trans person comes out it's going to be like flipping a switch
2: Mm
1: -hmm. they're going to go from appearing as the gender they were assigned at birth to appearing as the gender they identify with overnight yeah um first of all like hair takes time to grow just on a basic level yeah someone's trying to grow their hair out but i mean when i started hormones it took years for people to consistently gender me differently Mm -hmm. it took years of being on hormones for it to change from a default she/her pronoun, mm-hmm. I there was no way to do it any faster than I was doing it. That's mm-hmm. just how much time it takes. Yep. Now, when it comes to surgery, I started pursuing surgery in 2012 and wasn't able to get it until 2018, which honestly was remarkably fast. Yeah. Um, compared to how long it takes a lot of people. Yeah. And it still took six years. Yep. So, like this stuff takes time. It yes. takes a lot of time and. Folks need room to embrace that process and grow with it and change with it, because trust me, like trans folks already want it
0: to move faster. Yeah, you know we already want it to be a magic like a panacea, a cure all, but that's just not what happens. So, and you should we should also note that just as second puberty for trans people takes time, first puberty takes time, and so this is yet another area when you when you circle back around to teenagers, specifically teenagers in sport, like you you just can't be like a hard and fast like penis, male, mm-hmm. vagina, you know, female, like that yeah. just doesn't make any yeah. sense because everybody's bodies are, are going, are changing at that point, whether they're trans or yeah. not. And if you yeah. want to keep a level yeah. playing field for high school sports, maybe everyone needs to be on hormone blockers because you know yeah. that dude, he, like I said before, you know, that kid with a mustache in sixth grade, bro. Tell yeah. me, tell yeah. me, tell me his testosterone levels are the same as the yeah. kid whose voice yeah. is still squeaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and once again, I'm being male centric in this because I'm assuming people are talking about testosterone levels because no one's worried about yeah. estrogen levels, but really yeah. estrogen levels can affect the, your, your bone density, your muscle recovery yeah. time. Like all of these, these, these things are yeah. affected by hormones. And yeah. uh, it's yeah. important to also know, I think this is re- really, really basic endocrinology, but everybody has, has estrogen and testosterone in their body. And this yeah. goes back to our initial yeah. conversation about hormone levels and chemical levels that are all tested in athletes
1: yeah 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 um brief backtrack. i do want to make sure to mention that not every trans person wants to go on hair on hormones or Mm -hmm. wants to get any surgeries and that's also an extremely valid decision
2: absolutely um
1: related to that there are actually a ton of trans people who carry children yeah Several years ago now, there was like the first pregnant man. He was not the first pregnant man. No, he, he was not. the first publicly pregnant man. Yeah, and there have there have been many before. There have been even worse ones. Yep. Um, so that's something where like something that I think is really beautiful about transness is this kind of reinvention of how we engage with our bodies and yeah. how we uh, look at different things. Yeah. Um, so you know, for a, someone who identifies as a man who is carrying a child, part of what a lot of those folks are doing is reclaiming, or reclaiming is the wrong word, but like, I guess, claiming being a caregiver as being Mm -hmm. a part of their masculinity, Mm -hmm. right? And not in a bringing home the bacon sense, Mm -hmm. but in a literally carrying a child in their belly Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for months, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, that is a beautiful beautiful thing to see brought into masculinity which is so frequently seen as being like a certain amount of cold in a way like when Ugh. you're looking at stereotypes yeah to yeah these folks who are nurturing an infant in their belly and chest feeding them and cradling them yep i mean i think it's i think it's a wonderful very feminist way to subvert a lot of norms that we have in our
0: society absolutely my friend reno um he was a stay-at-home dad for a while and people used to always be like oh it's cute that you're spending time with your kids and he's like it's not cute they're my kids like we we have some messed up norms if we think that that is cute or cool or different like it is obvious that the world not only should tolerate trans people but y'all need us okay (laughs) y'all need us (laughs) to help Unfuck a couple things in society like you mm-hmm. you not only need to tolerate us bro you need to celebrate us because we're like a giant mirror that in living our own truths you can see that some of the truths you held to be so self-evident are incredibly yeah. messed up you know incredible yeah, and truths and that, that may be stopping you from doing something you want
1: to do
2: yeah for right? yourself like, even I, I if think,
0: you're cis
1: yeah yeah like i think i i really think the vast majority of people in this country if they reflected on their childhood could remember at least one time and they're like, oh, I want to do that thing, but that thing is for boys slash girls and that's mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. Right? And part of what transness is, is about is about softening those boundaries. Mm-hmm. What is your femininity? What is your masculinity? Yes. Um, which starts to touch on something else, which is that cis people have as much of a gender identity as trans people do. Yes, they do. No one's gender identity is inherently a part of them any more than anyone else's yes so, that's just something that i could write a book
0: about <laughs> uh, you probably should because it's 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 much the same with orientation as i mentioned before Twenty three thousand queer species so your your heterosexuality is as much of a choice as my homosexuality is and i guarantee you if you walked up to a bunch of uh, heterosexual people and be like uh tell me about your identity they're gonna be like what like we 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 just are straight, but that's a choice. That's been that's been cultured into you. You've been made to believe that. And we've been made to to treat our bodies in a certain way and to engage with the world in a certain way. And none of that is inherent and you get to choose. That's the beautiful part about being queer, is you get to choose. Yeah. This made me think of one other thing, too, which is the idea of embodiments and being in our bodies, because a lot Mm -hmm. of times being in our bodies is is a difficult experience for a lot of people, regardless of gender identity. I was at a store the other day, and I saw this book called "Being in Your Body," and it was a process for female-identified people to recover their sense of embodiment. And this is something that um, we we see a lot of lately with the um, oh man, there's a there's a documentary on Netflix right now. It's like a strip up, strip down, or strip down, open up or something. But it's a, t- it's, a, it's a conversation about women who take a pole dancing class um, to mm-hmm. recover parts of their embodied experience that they have, that yeah, they have been yeah. truncated from because of sexual yeah. trauma, emotional yeah. trauma, cultural pressures, body image. There is an experience mm-hmm. yeah. of being in a body. It is not something that just yeah. happens. How many of us have hated a part of our body at one time or another? And so yeah. part of being queer and being trans and queering the whole world is that you get to re-experience and reclaim and re-identify and reconnect yeah. with your body because
1: it's yours. Yeah. No one yeah. else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, I think the, the trauma piece you touched on is really important there, um, which is something that I think about a lot when I think about reforming justice systems and all kinds of stuff like that is that a lot of stuff that we, that we see that we just kind of accept as a normal part of life is yep. actually a sign of trauma. And leaving your body uh, yep. within psychology is referred to as dissociation. There's yes. multiple different ways it can look and feel. Um, if this is interesting to you, I highly recommend Googling it. Yeah. Um, but dissociation is strongly associated with trauma. Yes. Um, there is a dissociation-specific Um, diagnosis, but it's also listed as a symptom of many other, um, you know, mental illnesses, including PTSD. Um, I don't think it's coincidence that being out of your body, in other words, dissociation is such a common experience in society. Absolutely. Um, And I really, really hope that as we start talking about mental health more, we can really get invested in making our overall society was traumatizing for everyone
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's so true it's it's so it's all interconnected it's it's all about the thing behind the thing none of this exists in a vacuum you know what i mean um even my identity as queer doesn't exist in a vacuum like i i would be me outside of yeah. a system but in a system i'm queer you know so like there's there's yeah. a whole philosophical yeah. train to go yeah. off on that but like nothing nothing happens in a vacuum and 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 many people have over overlapping instances of of not liking their body of, of being overweight of being sexually abused of being trans of being queer yeah. or be, like yeah. all of no yeah. one is just one of those things and. Yeah. Until you can embrace your embodiment and embrace your identity, there's going to be a lot of cognitive dissonance. And guess what stands in the way of that? Misguided and misconstrued and manipulated ideas of norms that are perpetuated by a society. And that, yeah. it, it, that plays out yeah. all the way into little old land until there's a trans girl who feels scared to identify as a trans girl because she wants to play basketball. Or something, you yeah. know? what I mean, it, it's all it's yeah. all in the soup together, and you can't overlook yeah. any of that. So, yeah. well, I have no, to, absolutely. I have to go because my computer is going to die. But before oh. before we do that, I would absolutely mm-hmm. love if you could, uh, if there's anything you want to say in conclusion, you could say that. If there is any way that you want to give people to contact you, you could say that, and uh, just kind of give us your closing thoughts, and then I'll close it up.
1: Um, As far as contact goes, I would say, you know, through Facebook, I should be tagged and stuff. So feel free to shoot me a message. Um, I'm not the best with social media since it takes me a minute to get to my apologies.
2: Nothing Um, personal. uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, As far as um, closing thoughts go, I really think it's just so key to keep in mind that trans people are really just trying to love ourselves and be ourselves authentically in public spaces yes and all we want to accomplish is for everyone else to be able to do the same thing yes um this is not you know like there is no we need to destroy gender it's about how can we make gender work better for everyone Mm -hmm. um so you know engage with us talk with us keep an open mind um and also, like, really, I can't stress enough. Maybe check out Disclosure.
0: Yes, yes, someone um, just asked I about that, that in the feed,
1: so. It, yeah, yeah, Disclosure is a, is a documentary on Netflix that I think really does a good job of explaining where implicit bias against trans people um, can come from, mainly yeah. in the States, but still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say for now, but definitely, like, don't hesitate to reach out if y'all have questions or thoughts or anything.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Owen is all up in uh, the conversations group a lot. Uh, So they do a great job of jumping in, uh, which I think is a great way to engage. If you can't be a part of the video, if you catch the video later, or if you have a thought that's not encompassed by our video, that's the whole damn point of the conversations group is to like, throw a thought out there and, and dialogue with somebody about it because we're all made better by conversations together. Um, So that's huge. I also wanted to mention so disclosure that's on Netflix, there is also a film that talks about the same thing of implicit bias in Native American populations. Uh, I mentioned that because that's the first place I heard of implicit bias within a film setting. So the, mm-hmm. the movie is called Real engine and it's spelled r-e-e-l and so it talks about the the way that uh, native americans are portrayed in um, in media much like disclosure does with trans people so that's another thing that you can pick up on i know we talked about some native stuff there and i know that uh, the area i'm in geographically just so you know and uh, is located uh, about 15 miles from the only native american reservation in the united states that co-occurs with a city uh so i live next to oh, salamanca wow. new york so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of sociology and stuff there yeah. There's a lot to be learned from the richness of the area, so that's why I mention it so much. Um, For those of you who watched, I want to say thank you. Uh, Being queer for me is a reclamation of who I am and how I can be in the world. And I truly believe, um, like, I believe it was Desmond Tutu that said it like, my liberation is bound up in yours. So so liberation and freedom is incomplete unless everyone is there. Racism is not over until homophobia is over until, uh, you know, Islamophobia is over until fat shaming is over, like it's all tied up together. And so the reason that O and I uh, exist uh, in so many ways is so that like, like they said, so that it is in fact, better for everyone including yep. the trans girl and only and who's trying to play basketball you see how it keeps coming all together friends uh, a world that is more queer is better fight me on it <laughs> don't don't fight me on it because i don't care to fight you because i'm right <laughs> i mean
1: hey gen z is continuing to take us there
0: exactly Another,
1: Exactly. it's the the new iteration of the younger, the younger generation is more queer than the last. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty
0: consistent trend Yep. We're going there. And I actually read a study about that today um, where it talked about how the majority of folks that were identifying as queer were in fact identifying as like bisexual, which I actually think is pretty dope because there are people who are bisexual and there are people who are figuring it out and you get to be all of those things and identify how you want. So... Um, I have to thank everybody that came out. Uh, I have a three-peat of conversations coming up. Tomorrow night, we're having conversations with Rocky Raggio, who is the producer and filmmaker behind the upcoming documentary 1946, which covers the introduction of the word homosexuality into the Bible. In case you did not know, the word homosexuality was not in the Bible until 1946. So that film is going to cover the scholarly work that's been done to expose that truth. It's going to cover um and you know uh, for and against sources and it's going to be really good so we're talking to rocky tomorrow and then sunday we have ryan bell up who is uh, a former evangelical minister who gave up athe or who gave up uh, christianity and embraced atheism for a period of a year and then ended up never wandering back um, and so we're going to talk to him about his perspective uh, coming from christianity into atheism and seeing how that's made his world fuller and better and more awesome so we've got a lot of cool topics coming up a lot of things across the board and i'm really excited to share them with you. Thank you, Owen, for being here. Thank you, everybody uh, who's been on the feed for joining us. As always, everyone is welcome at the conversation. Uh, Find more about this info on uh, ConversationsOfficial.com or just shoot shoot the Conversations page a message. Thank you so much. Have a good day, Owen. Bye, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.